God, indeed, we're going to pour our cup out right here, empty our storage, and make room for you to fill our very lives with you. We are making ourselves available to you now, God. Work in us, guide us, so indeed we leave this place able to show someone the way to your everlasting love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I am so excited about this Unbinding series, and I have a group that's meeting on Friday nights, and I get to hear from Jason on Thursday what all is going on in the Wednesday stuff, and several of you are doing some home groups, and I just love it, and I love the fact that we're here, and we're studying together and worshiping together and, and willing to enter this daily practice of prayer. And, and if you've not gotten engaged in this, there's still time. There's resources out there. Be sure that you tap into this incredible journey that we're on. Um, this week, we um, have been studying chapter 2, which Denise Lippy did a, such an incredible job of introducing to us the concept of prayer. Um, but this next chapter, chapter 3, of this Unbinding Your Heart book, our author, Gra uh, Martha Grace Reese, say that 10 times in a row with me, Martha Grace Reese introduces us to the concept or this Trinity idea of relationships. So she draws these circles and she says um, that she studied 150 vibrant and growing congregations and one thing she found in common is they are healthy and real in all three sets of these relationships. There's relationship with God, relationships within the church, and relationships outside of the church. And she basically said the common theme is growing churches, churches where God is really having an impact within the community through that body, it's when all three of these relationships are vibrant and healthy. And that's, um, that's really the, con that's right there in the nutshell of what this chapter is trying to talk to us about. Um, and so I thought we would spend time with each one of these. I, I um, I wanted this picture to be put up here because there's something about it that the picture itself communicates to us, and that is that these relationships create a web for us in our lives. And so you can't really do something with one without it impacting the other. And so all of who we are translates in our very being. And so our relationship with God, um, if it's vibrant and healthy, it's going to translate into relationships with each other. And if it's vibrant and healthy, then it just makes natural sense that we're going to show up and, be, and have um, healthy relationships outside of our congregation. I think intuitively we get this. I mean, that makes sense that all of life is connected. I think intuitively we get this. I think the, the more difficult part is really living this out in our daily lives. And our scriptures, there's so many places that it really just tries to make it simple for us. It just really simplifies it. It's just the simple. And, you know, love God, love others. It's that simple. And one of the favorite places that I see this is in Micah 6, chapter, um, I mean, chapter 6, verse 8, where what is it, what is it really that's required of us but to walk humbly with our God, to do justice and love kindness? So again, you can see the interplay. Walk humbly with our God, our relationship with our God. Do justice and love kindness in our relationships with each other. It's that simple. And I'm really glad it's that simple because right before that, when this person is negotiating, well, what does it have to do? Do I have to give my firstborn for all the things that I've done wrong in the world? And I thought to myself, poor Cooper, he made it by a minute. <laughs> I was like, thank God that's not the rules. No, the rules are so simple. Work on these relationships. So let's look at this relationship with God. And 
Um, and let's contemplate that. I really do believe last week that's why we started there with the idea of prayer. Because I think our relationship with God is to walk with. It's, a, it's to be in the awareness, right? It's to be in the awareness that there's this higher, perp- this higher purpose and meaning and being. There's this ground of being. In both the New Testament and the Old Testament, you'll see, you'll see this phrase. You'll run across it a couple of times. And it says, for in God we live and move and have our very being. We're God's offspring. What this is trying to say is God's our environment. We, are, we really cannot fall out of the embrace of God. We really cannot fall out of the presence of God. But what we do is fall out of the experience of that presence. And so that's what prayer is meant to do. That's what setting aside time in your daily life to make room for your relationship with God is all about. It is cultivating an experience or an awareness of God in your life. But then there's that nice juicy word with humility. (laughs) There's that nice juicy word (laughs) with humility. So we're to walk with God, create moments to be um, in the presence of God. But as Denise made a comment last week, sometimes we have to fall face down with God. It's a, it is a posture. It is an attitude of life. Uh, it's not just a physical thing. It is an attitude or posture of life. Humility basically is really what the gospel ensemble was just singing. It's being um, where you're sitting there and you're going to empty out that cup. And you're going to empty out your storage, all the stuff that's in there. And you're just going to sit with God and allow God to inform your very soul and your very being. Which means you're going to sit there and not pretend to have it all figured out and not have it all worked out. And so that's what walking humbly with God is all about. I, I think the real rubber hits the road here when we think about, because our worship experience is actually about this very thing. We come here to be led time and again each Sunday into the presence of God. We, we do that as individuals when we come in here and when we get to do it as a, at a corporate level. Um, and that's very important. But I think where the rubber hits the road is we, if we stay into the presence of God with humility, we're able to get in touch with who is this God we worship. In the Psalms, you'll find a passage that says, and you find this actually also in other places, but that the God that we form with wood and materials and and metals is the God we serve. And if it's a dead God, a relationship with God would be dead, and our relationship with each other is dead. And if it's alive, if it's a living God we fashion, it'll be a living God that translates in our lives. And so we are to sit humbly with God, contemplate our imagery for God, revisit that. Who is this God that's been handed to me, that I've grown up with, and to sit with that? Because that will translate into all of this web of relationships that you have. So let's look at the next one, the relationships within our church. If you want any guidance with how we're supposed to be with one another in church, you can easily go to almost any letter that Paul writes to the new churches. And the really uh, comfortable thing I love about this is the fact that what we got going on here, they had going on years ago. <laughs> we're not, we, didn't, we didn't start this ugly stuff. <laughs> it's been there all along. You fill up a room full of people and stuff's going to happen. And so our lives are different, our, um, the way we live our lives, our values, our perspectives, all of this stuff, you put it all in the mix, and then you got to figure out how to do it in unison. you got to figure out how to bring it all together and make sure the boat's moving and we're all got an oar and we're all going in the same direction. 
and that's some work. And so, so Paul gives us some guidance, and I love this passion, uh, this passage from Ephesians. I, and I love how Marion was reading it to us. It just comes alive to you. I don't even have to do much with it. it it's all there. There's four basic principles that Paul is trying to introduce us when we're working on our relationships with each other. Honesty. Don't let anger get the best of us, right? Have integrity in the work that we do together. And then practice that forgiveness. Be gentle with each other, okay? Four simple principles. It really comes back to that thing. Just do that justice, love that kindness. And so let's just break these down. We, at the very beginning of the year, this um, being honest with one another is an important deal. We studied it through um, the book, The Four Agreements, and they did an excellent job. Be impeccable with your word. Honesty is, an, is something that we could just bring up almost every Sunday because it's something that we have to do together. And it's, uh, if we're in a healthy relationship with each other, we will practice the art of being real. And we'll say some of the real things. But, but notice in this passage from Ephesians that Peter, I mean, that Paul also reminds us, but in all things we're doing it to encourage and lift up the body. So you're not uselessly <laughs> just being boldly honest. You are choosing the way to do that in a way that builds and encourages and lifts the body. So be impeccable with your word. The next one that he covers there is anger. And um, I love this particular passage because he is very clear that anger is not a bad feeling, a bad emotion, or a bad thing that happens. He says, you do well to be angry. Anger is like love. It's a passion, and it informs us, and it gives us mobility, and it gives us the energy to do things and to make a difference in the world. So listen to your anger. Anger is a good thing. What's coming up in you there is most likely the specific area God's calling you to make a difference in the world, for you to be a part of the solution to whatever it is that's gotten under your skin. So anger's a good thing, but what, what he's reminding us, though, is to deal with it when it comes up between us, to deal with it promptly, because if we, if we let it stew, if we let it go to bed and let it sit there too long, that's exactly what happens. That old pot's a-stewing, and by the time, you know, you wake up, you've thrown a little of this in it and a little of that, and you've told the story again, and you've thrown in a dash of this, and at some point, you can't figure out what it was that you even started off with, it's a stew pot of anger that has festered, and it really now has no good. It has a foothold in your life. It has a foothold in your life. So he says, it's a good thing, but when it comes up between us, let's deal with it. Let's deal with it. And then the next one, I, I love the fact that our treasurer of the board is up here to do the ministry moment today, because she'll appreciate this next one. The next one is have integrity in your dealings of the church. Basically, this particular part is Paul saying, look, um, if, if you're able to have an honest wage, if, if there is income flowing, if there are resources in your life, step up to the plate and let's do this together. It takes every one of us using our resources to do the work of the church. And so he's really clear that if we're going to have good relationships with each other, we need to do our part. We need to carry our, our part. We need to put things in. We need to have integrity with our resources. If you make anything, you can give something. And that's what he's saying here. And, 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 you, and that is a spiritual practice, just like all four of these things. It's a spiritual practice that we grow with, that we learn with, and that we move with. I'll pass on that one. We'll spend some time with that maybe another day. Let's go to the last one that he mentions. Be gentle with each other by practicing 
forgiveness. Now, when I think of the word forgiveness, I can't help but to see my mama standing at the door, you know, yelling at me and my brothers who would, you know, get in these little squabbles, you know. And at some point, she just got tired of hearing us, right? So she would come and she would say, come on, come on, come on, y'all just forgive each other. Just come on, let's just get over it. And, you know, she would stand there most of the time and make us do that very thing. You know, we had to shake hands or hug, you know. And, you know, we would go through the motions because we knew in a minute she was going to walk on her way. And then we could go around the corner and we could continue this match and we'd figure this out. So, so that's when forgiveness comes up in me. I think about the childhood way I dealt with forgiveness. And I think, unfortunately, this translates into our adult life. I, especially here at the church, I think we have a real bad tendency to have that little voice of mama in our ear saying, just make nice. We ain't got nothing good to say, don't say it at all. What are all these phrases that we have? So when we're in this environment, again, we, we, we want to say that we shouldn't have the feeling or we just should let it go and we just want to ignore it. We want to not pretend it's not there or whatever. We just want to make nice because this is the church after all. And so I think, I think we have a tendency to do that. But, but Paul is saying here that there are things that will bleed out of your life if you're not dealing with this forgiveness. Um, I love the fact that he says, just look at what God's doing and do that thing. And God loves us so much. And so he's just really reminding and, and he reminds us of the incredible forgiveness that God's extended to us, the grace and love of God. And there's lots of places when I was looking at scripture that I could have moved to here. But the one I wanted to, to do was the Lord's Prayer because it, it talks about the power of forgiveness and, and it reminds us and it's a daily practice to forgive as God forgave. And um, I had to look up that word to make sure I understood what it was. And the word forgiveness in, in the scripture basically means to send away, to let go. And so, so just picture with me here, um, basically what that means is when somebody does us wrong, we pick up that little luggage of debt, and we're carrying around their debt to us, because they owe us, and we've kind of got them under a sentence of judgment, right? And so forgiveness would be to... Just let it go and release, guess who, our very selves from this, from this thing. Now, I want to be really clear here that this is a process. And by doing that, we are not trying to validate, condone. Um, it is not meant to be a doormat. It's not, it's not meant to ignore the feelings that it caused in us. It is simply a process to liberate ourselves from this judgment that's eating us alive. I um, looked at this Lord's Prayer and, and I went to the one in Matthew and I couldn't help but notice after Jesus teaches all of this Lord's Prayer, he adds two little sentences at the end. It comes from Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, God will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will God forgive your trespasses. Now, it sounds like he's repeating the same thing that's actually in the prayer, but I think it's really odd that after he teaches all that, he just makes sure to pull out this one little tagline. Let me just, I just want to say that again. And, you know, I think when we hear that, we're such a transactional kind of people, cause and effect. I think we hear that and go, oh, yeah, there's that thing. We got to earn it. I ain't going to get it till I give it kind of thing, right? We're, <laughs> we're real comfortable with that kind of lingo. So we, we, we hear that, and I think we think that way. Well, I, I, I'm going to have to forgive, or I'm not going to get God's forgiveness. And I, I think really what Jesus is trying to teach us here is more of a spiritual truth. I looked at this word, trespasses, and it means slips. It's just the mistakes. 
It has a real earthy feel to it. And we know that there's those deep, deep betrayals, you know, in those places that take a, a real life process for to work through this cycle of forgiveness. And, and that's when we can think of when Peter came to Jesus and said, how many times must I forgive my brothers? And then he, he wanted to give an example, like seven, that's a reasonable amount. And Jesus, no, seven times 70. Now, there's a real numerology study that you can do around this phrase that Jesus gave, seven times 70. But the gist of it is this. It is a process, an evolution of multiple cycles of life. So this is an ebb and flow of our very being. And so those deeper things that, but this word also has a very earthy feel to it. Trespasses. It's the rolling of the eyes, the cold shoulder, the phone call that didn't get returned to you. It's all those little things that get between you and I. And so I was thinking about this, and I looked at those two scriptures, and I thought, well, there's really probably more of a spiritual truth there. And there's a, a pastor out there I just love to listen to. His name is Rob Bell. He's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I think he gave one of the perfect illustrations of this spiritual truth. And so I'm going to recruit my friend Jason to come up and help me with this so you can get your mind around <laughs> this little thing about forgiveness. This <laughs> So I asked Jason if he'd go diving deep for God today, and he took me serious. <laughs> so, so, okay, so the snorkel. I'm going to illustrate this spiritual truth of the snorkel. <laughs> so tell me exactly what is it that we need a snorkel for? To breathe. But specifically, right, if he's underwater, he needs the air out there, right? But have we thought about the fact that he also has to give up air? right? So this snorkel, this pipe, this, this, it's kind of got a rhythm to it. There's air going in and air going out. It's the rhythm of life. It's the, it's the energy of life. It gives us this life force, right? The ability to breathe. But what would happen? <laughs> if we just started you know, putting a cramp. What if we just got some good old-fashioned duct tape? And I couldn't bring real duct tape in here because you know, girls, I'd be going like... <laughs> <laughs> but what if we just started taping up the pipe? <laughs> what if we just started... And, and so now the air is not able to flow out and the air is not able to flow in. So this might be the spiritual truth. Could it be that Jesus was talking about this? That as the love of God flows out from you, the love of God can flow back through you. The love of God that comes in you flows through you and back to others. It is this life-breathing, <laughs> wonderful gift of God's love and grace. <laughs> so I would ask you, is there something? Is there something, a little slip between you and I? If things aren't good with you and God, Things most likely aren't good with you and I. And if things aren't good with you and I, things might not be good with you and God. And we've got this little thing. It's the very same pipe. Is there something that you need to descend off to God because you're clogging the snorkel and you're barely breathing and you're turning blue? Thinks I'm trying to kill him. Well, I think that was. I love that. Little, <laughs> I love that little illustration. I think it does speak to this forgiveness process, and it really does show this interconnectivity 
of all of our relationships, this web of relationships. So let's move to this relationships with those outside. So I think we do see that as this air of God is blowing through us and in us and we're experiencing the presence of God in our lives and we're doing this with humility and listening and then we're exercising that in our relationships with each other. We're learning to be honest. We're learning to let anger be a good thing in our lives and we're trusting and we're bringing our resources together. It is natural that it's gonna go out and expand into our workplaces and in our homes and in our families um, and in our communities. But <laughs> the author doesn't cover this for us. But I think many of us in here know that as we take this out and we begin to live our faith in the community and we're showing that love of God every once in a while that something's going to come up in our conversation, it's going to sound something like this. Well, that really sounds like a great place to be. Where is it you go to church again? Or maybe... Somewhere in that conversation, this person knows you, maybe a little fuller than others, and, and, and they want to have a conversation with you. How exactly did you put that word gay and Christian together and make it work for you? <laughs> so we can see that for us to do this next thing and to have health and wholeness in all of our relationships, we have to come out as Christians. We cannot check our faith at the door in our family gatherings, in our workplaces, and in our community. Our life has impact and all that what is happening here is because so that we become healers of the world we are the very people that we needed to meet years ago there's a, a author she's a doctor physician Rachel Naomi Raymond and she's one of my very favorite uh, any of her books are good I would recommend them all but inside uh, her book grandfather's blessing she tells of this story now she really understands healing and wholeness to the fullest because she was not only a doctor, she was a patient for over 37 years of her life. And so she understands this idea that blessings are all around us. And if we're just paying attention, we will become a blessing. Listen in her own words, a story. When Sarah became ill many years ago, bulimia was not yet a household word. Filled with guilt at her uncontrollable behavior, she was taken to specialist after specialist until someone able to identify the problem as something more than a teenage rebellion, hospitalized her for a year. This had saved her life. Slowly, she fought her way back from the edge, surrounded by concerned adults who could not understand why she was bringing this on herself. She did not understand it either. As she described it to me, Rachel, I was just so alone. I could not stop myself. And at the worst of it, I was not sure that it was possible to survive this. I was very afraid. I remember thinking that somewhere there must be someone else who has had this problem, someone who has been able to heal from it. If they could live, maybe I could too. Sarah did not meet another person with bulimia, but after many years of difficulty, she had somehow found her own way through and was able to recover. She cannot really say why. A few years ago, she was reading her evening newspaper and came across an announcement for a meeting of a bulimia support group. Sarah is a middle-aged woman and has not suffered from this problem for many years. 
But the idea of a support group intrigued her, and she decided to attend a meeting to see what it was like. It had been a powerful experience. The desperately ill young people there had touched her heart, and while she felt unable to help them, she cared about them, and so she continued going back. Other than saying she had bulimia as a girl, she had not revealed a great deal more about herself, but had simply sat and listened to the stories of others. As she was about to leave one of these meetings, she was stopped by a painfully thin young girl who thanked her for coming and told her how much it had meant to know her. Her eyes had been filled with unshed tears. Sarah had responded with her usual graciousness, but she had been puzzled. She could not recall ever speaking to this girl and did not even know her name. As she drove home, she wondered how she could have forgotten something so important to someone else. She was almost home before she understood. Her husband, who met her at their front door, was surprised to see she had been crying. Sarah, what is wrong? He asked in concern. I have become the person I needed to meet, Harry, she told him and walked into his arms. We, that story just brings me to my knees every time I hear it. <laughs> you almost think I'm a big old sap. Um, we, are the faces, the lives that someone else needs to see and meet. And so we have to carry our faith out into our community. We are the ones that we needed to meet. So as we bring healing into our relationships with God and with each other, we need to allow it to move us into our community. I... Um, I'm struck by the fact that we're coming up on our 37-year history together. And that's a whole lot of people being in a whole lot of rooms in a whole lot of years. <laughs> that's a whole lot of stew pot going. <laughs> and so during this time of Lynn, as we're really making ourselves available to God, as we return where we started in this discussion, it's time for us to pour our cup out empty up the stew pot and just just give it all back to God and to work at this daily presence of God the one who formed our very being and to stay in touch with that and then to look each other in the eye and, and work through these things together and be honest in a way that builds each other up express our anger in a healthy way and practice this gentle act of kindness shown through forgiveness. Will you pray with me once more? Gracious God, we want to be available to you. So we ask indeed that the one who formed us in our mother's womb would form us here now. Shape us and mold us into the fashion of the living God of justice and kindness. And then help us with this daily work, this over and over again work of loving each other.
of being real and healthy in our relations with each other. And God, then we are offering right here, this congregation is offering ourselves to you. Guide us throughout this season and for years to come how to be the people you need us to be in this community. In Jesus' name, we give this to you. Amen.